Hello, and thanks for making the Parable Podcast a part of your day. I'm Danielle Zapchang. Today, we are going to meet Olivia Munn Shearsath. She shares openly about her journey to finding her calling and now her place as a teaching pastor in Queens, New York. And somehow that physical trauma almost, or that physical like shaking, led me to my knees in this moment of my life matters. <laughs> I suddenly was like rocked with like, I can't die young. I have to live. I have a purpose for my life. It drew me to like this most powerful time of prayer. Here's my conversation with Olivia Munn Shearsad. Today, I'm joined by Olivia. Olivia, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Like, what do you do? What are you all about? Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I live in Queens, New York, right in New York City. And um, currently, I'm a teaching pastor at a church. It's called Wellspring Church. Uh, It's like a non-denominational church plant um, that's been a neighborhood for about 10 years. And um, part of a, a team, which is really fun. We're trying to model team leadership. So the team of four pastors all working together, men and women. And um, I live right in the neighborhood where the church is with my husband. His name is Pratik, who is in real estate. And our two and a half year old son, Romy, who is just learning how to put sentences together and just an absolute joy. That's awesome. How did you meet Pratik? We met working together um, at a Salvation Army day camp in New York City, 2012. All right. Was it love at first sight or were you just like, I'm just here for ministry? <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a really great way of framing it. Uh, it was like a little bit of both. It was like probably attraction at first sight and like, Olivia, focus. <laughs> no, you're not here to date. You know, so. <laughs> for We kept it professional for a good you know, six months or so. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I met my husband at work too. So I totally understand. (laughs) Um, So you have a two-year-old. How was it um, having a two-year-old during a pandemic, especially in New York? How did you do that? (laughs) Yeah, well, he was born like five months before everything really got, you know, uh, on lockdown in New York. So it honestly felt just like an extended maternity leave. (laughs) For me, it was like, uh, I'm really grateful that we didn't have anyone in our lab get really sick or anything. We were not, we weren't really in danger. Um, I just was happy to be home with my little baby at that point. So, but we were living in Times Square. So I remember we go out for walks and stuff, you know, to get fresh air. And it was just dead. It was wild. There's nobody around. Yeah. So he's had a, he's had a, a lot of time at home for a, for a little guy. Have you always uh, spent your whole life in New York or have you lived elsewhere? I've been in New York 10 years. Um, so most of my like adult life, I guess. And I moved around a lot growing up and as a young adult, mostly like Northeastern United States and then spent some time in Vancouver, Canada and London, England for a minute. So Olivia, you're the teaching pastor at, at Wellspring. And have you always had a passion for teaching? Is that something that's always been on your heart? Did that just kind of fall into your lap? How did that come into play for you? I don't think I had a passion for teaching. I think I've always had a passion for almost like encouragement, <laughs> you know, for just speaking life into people and a passion for ideas and for scripture. So I think most of my like earlier adult life, I guess like before I was like a pastor, I mostly loved it in conversation. You know, I love like a good Bible study, a good like small group. That's something I've always loved, talking about the Bible, talking about God. 
I'm on the the teaching team too, and I I have a church that's heavily supportive of me and women who preach. And of course, I really I've never had anyone be negative towards me in preaching, and maybe I've just been protected by that. But for me. I kind of went into it initially like, okay, well, I'm a woman. I don't have a biblical studies degree. I've had all these restrictions already for me just in my own mind. Did you have any of that? Or did you feel like, you know what? I believe in in this encouragement and like giving people ideas and, and speaking into their life and that like get pushed to the side or am I the only one in that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not the only one. Well, I'm really fortunate, really blessed that I grew up in a home that my mother and father were both leaders in ministry. My mom's a phenomenal preacher and leader. My dad like did his doctoral thesis in egalitarianism. So it's like a bedrock of our home. And, and I grew up in the Salvation Army, which ordains women. Like I think more than half of their leaders are women. So, but my story today actually is a lot about this. So I'm glad that you're asking on this thread. All right. Well, perfect. Well, this is a great transition. Again, we just think that, you know, stories matter and everybody has a story that we can look back and see, wow, like God has taught me a parable through this. So Olivia, why don't you go ahead and, and get into it? This story like covers a couple different countries. It's kind of sweeping the globe <laughs> and got a few different like uh, acts to it, perhaps. So, so stay with me. But. Sure. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you're asking about women and um, women's role in the church because there was a season in my life that I really, really wrestled with scripture and was really, really wrestling with, is this something that God is against for some reason? Um, which I think you almost have to go through, or at least for me, it was an important journey. I was in a like complementarian church and I was dating a complementarian man and uh, genuinely trying to follow Jesus and genuinely trying to submit to whatever God had. You know, I'm like, if this is your will, I want your will. You know, if I'm supposed to be a stay-at-home mom, like I'll be okay with that. You know, just constantly banging on the altar. So it was in that phase of my life. This is my early 20s. I was living in London at the time. The man I was dating was living in Canada. So we were, we were far away, long distance. And I was just like wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. And I went to a church in London. And at that service, the sermon was very clearly about calling and like finding your calling in your life. So I was like, oh, I'm definitely going forward. You know, one of those preaches that you're like, just do the invitation, I'm coming. So I went forward for prayer. You know, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life, trying to figure it out. The woman who prayed with me said, I think you should stop talking to God and you should listen to God, <laughs> which was mind blowing. You know, it's like, oh, that's a revolutionary thought. So I just right then and there, she's like, just stop, just listen. What do you think God's saying? And I immediately heard him calling me into full-time pastoral ministry. And it was one of those like clearest moments of my life. This is all preamble. So that was, uh, you know, a turning point. And it was one of those, my wrestling kind of had to be over. Like I, I still had to read some more books and figure out my theology, but it was like, I knew that I knew that I knew that God was speaking to me. So, so then I had to call my boyfriend, right. And be like, Hey honey, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, God's been doing something in my heart. And, uh, I didn't just come right out and say it, you know, and I didn't just like dump him, you know, it was just like, I just, I just feel like God's stirring something in me. I'm just feeling like maybe there's something more that I'm supposed to be doing in my life, feeling a sense of like calling and, um, no joke. He said, well, then, uh, follow me. That was his, yeah, his application of what I was feeling. 
And even then, you know, thank God, even as, as like a 21 year old or something, I was like, that's not what I'm getting at, you know. But before I could even like argue or like do anything, the phone line cut out. Actually, I think it was Skype back then. And uh, I never spoke to him again. It like it shut down. And I just was like, I'm not going to call him back. <laughs> I think we'll just leave it at this. That was I mean, I think I ended up emailing him or something. But it was like, all right, that's there's no further conversation here. Then this is the final leg of the journey. You know, I'm looking for a summer job. So I get a job at a camp in Western Pennsylvania, back in the USA. And it is um, just like a random summer camp. It's like, I didn't know anybody there. You know, it's, it's a Salvation Army camp. It's like underprivileged children um, living in log cabins, you know. Um, and so I flew there for the summer. So then I'm like in ministry, right? I'm like teaching kids. I'm doing devotions with the staff. I'm loving it. And there was one day that my first week there, you know, so I'm still kind of like, I have a calling on my life and I don't know how this is going to look. I was trying to decorate my room. So I'm standing up on a chair trying to nail some things in the wall, like a poster or something. While I'm balancing up on this chair, it starts to fall. It's like starts to lean backward. And I... I fall off the chair, like from standing and almost hit my head on the corner of the bed and um, didn't, but it really shook me up. I remember thinking I could have died, like I could have not cracked my head open. Um, It was a pretty high fall and um, I was really shaken afterward. And somehow that like physical trauma almost or that physical like shaking led me to my knees in this moment of my life matters. (laughs) I suddenly was like rocked with like, I can't die young. I have to live. I have a purpose for my life. And it, it drew me to like this most powerful time of prayer just by that, that physical act of like, my life is important. I can't let this be taken from me. So that was a, that was a turning point for me. And even a, even a deeper surrender than, oh, I'm willing to be a stay-at-home mom. It was like, I'm willing to live for something. Do you remember or having other times where either you're reminded of that moment or you've had these times since then that you've been like physically shaken and be like, okay, I'm, I have to keep being reminded that like God is with me, that my life does matter. Cause it's, it's easy for us to just kind of go like, okay, yes, I've had this pinnacle moment, but then we kind of, we revert back cause we forget. Has that happened? I don't think in the same physical kind of way, you know, um, thank God I haven't had any other, but I think that God brings it to mind at moments when it, you know, following Christ is like a lifelong marathon. So when it does feel like, wow, this, I can be doing something a lot easier or <laughs> is this really worth it? Once in a while, God just brings it to mind. Like, no, I'm, I, I have you here for a reason. You talked about calling, how you went to that church service in your early 20s. And I think we all kind of go through different waves and different seasons of our lives where we're like, is this the calling that God has on my life? Because in different seasons, it changes. If somebody is kind of seeking and just questioning their calling, what encouragement would you have for them? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, my calling has like, that's taken me to several different places, you know? So even that that moment wasn't like, wasn't the end of the conversation with God. <laughs> you know, it, we have to be constantly discerning and um, obedient along the way. 
I think there's a few really important things along that journey. One is like keeping it in community, listening to wise people in your life, processing with them, not just going on your own hunch, but... I think that corporate discernment is like a really divine practice. <laughs> and man, just, I was reminded recently, there's this verse in First Thessalonians that uh, it says, this is God's will for your life. And I remember reading that around that same time and being like, what's God's will for my life? This is God's will. Oh, it's for me to be holy. It's for me to be like him. I think it's our primary calling is to him. On your website, the the top thing, and it just, it really spoke to me. The sentence is, holiness is the solution to every problem. And I think that's so true. I mean, that is, it just really like, I highlighted it, okay, because I liked it so much, but it is true. So how did you come to that, like one sentence, like this is going to be my statement. And then what does that mean to you? Oh man, yeah. That's from a book that I co-wrote when I was younger called The Uprising. That's about holiness for teens. So if you're not a teen and you read it, just prepare yourself. It's very teeny. And it's very, I wrote it when I was 18. So it's very black and white. I'm very confident at age 18. Who isn't at 18? Right. <laughs> like, let me tell you about the world, people. Yeah. And as we were writing it and researching and processing, I believe that that is true. I believe that a church, like the people of God being Christ-like is not only like to our joy and our freedom, you know, but it also impacts the world around us. I think when the church is is holy, which, you know, that's got a lot of meaning to it, devoted, set apart, purified, on fire, Christ-like. When the church is living in that fullness, there's not going to be like hungry kids starving and um, women getting abused and corruption and violence. I think that we're like, I mean, the church is the answer to the world's problems. It's, I mean, God is the answer to the world's problems, but it's God in us, which is, which is holiness. So I see it. It's, I think uh, the word holiness gets really, um, people kind of view it as like this kind of puritanical, like old fashioned uptight thing, you know, like just avoiding bad, but it actually is doing good. And I think it's power. I know that your son can't put sentences into words, but eventually, you know, you guys are going to have the time around the, the kitchen table. And we, we talk, well, you have two kids, uh, a nine and a 12 year old. And, you know, we talk about this a lot because they come home and they're at an age where they're learning world events. So we're talking about world situations and they're just like, why is this happening? I think, you know, the opposite of holiness, you know, is is wanting power and greed. And unfortunately, when you think of all those things that you just listed, I mean, that's really the root of it. People want to be their own God. And so, you know, just trying to instill that in this next generation, um, just that awareness, like the church can be a safe place for people to help them grow and to learn and draw them closer to God and and to pursue that relationship with him and and come closer in holiness. I like that Olivia, really good. Yeah, it's um it's potent, you know. I think like yeah, I just I really believe in the power of God, you know, that it's actually possible and it's like not just about me, it's about the whole world, but it's also about me. You said you grew up in the church. Would you say there was a time when Jesus became more than just a name for you. Yeah, very much so. Probably like a lot of church kids, it became real to me as like an early teen when I was 14. I'm like an Enneagram one. It's probably not surprising. I wrote a book on holiness. Of course I'm an Enneagram one, right? It's like all about good and good and bad. You know, I want to be a good girl. So all that to say, I like nailed that as a kid. I could 
do, I could perform religiously for my parents' approval. I was like, I love the Bible. You know, I was straight up church nerd and could like crush it, you know, like win all the Sunday school gold stars and all that. But then, you know, as a teenager, the world was like tempting and alluring and I was like falling into sin, but was able to cover it up and uh, live a double life really well. Like I, I could do that, you know? <laughs> And I went to a, a dance conservatory at age 14 and met some older teens who were in love with Jesus. They were like probably 16, 17. And I remember realizing that they actually like just loved him. <laughs> so l- late night, they were like, we're going to go in the chapel and pray. Do you want to come? And I was like, is this like a, is this a program? You know, it's like an evening program. They're like, no, we're just doing it because we want to. And I was like, well, you just want, you don't have to, but you want to. So I went with them because I just, I was really drawn, you know, to their passion So it was probably like 10 people in a huge chapel and they were like dancing and singing and they were just like worshiping God. And I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, these guys are really into this. And um, we sang the song, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And um, the love of Christ just like overwhelmed me. I was like, he loves us. And uh, yeah, someone came and prayed with me and really like led me to repentance. I remember going back to my room that night and being like, I'm a new person, you know, and then going home and I actually dropped out of my school to get away from the things that were pulling me down. I got kind of extreme after that. you know. (laughs) Oh, well, that's cool that God captured your heart at that age. And just, you know, it can go in so many different directions. And it's cool. I was just having a conversation in our small group last night when we think of like people who influence our lives. You know, we're in a culture of influencers. Nobody's going to say at the end of the life, like, oh you know what? It was George Clooney that impacted my life the most. Like no one is going to say that, (laughs) but it's really like these people, like those, those students that were in that dance conservatory, that these are the people that maybe it's just for a short moment in our life that have really impacted us and, and really um, made a mark. Um, And that is only because of God. So is there anyone else in your life too, that has really like supported you and, and kind of impacted your life? Oh, I mean, over my life, so many people. Actually, that that teenager who prayed with me is still in my life. She's, you know, some of my my friends' parents. Right after that, they actually homeschooled me. They took me into their their homeschool because I was like, I can't go back to school. I refuse to do it. So they, they homeschooled me, and they they really discipled me. They like they were tough on me, and it was exactly what I needed. And I watched them take people into their home again and again. They were like, they always had big houses and they always had a lot of random people staying over. Their hospitality and generosity and their uh, their family being their place of ministry. It just really, that really made a big impact on me. I was like, oh, this is integrated in their life or on their dinner table, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Danielle Strickland, I think she's a mutual friend of ours, right? I, um, I, I don't know Danielle, but I would love to someday. We have, we share the same name. So Danielle, I'm up for coffee anytime. <laughs> she's the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, her and her husband did a discipleship school in Canada right at the right time for me. So when I was like 18, I went out there and uh, both of them, Danielle and Steve, her husband, probably, probably the most influential people in my life ever. And, um, you know, it was over like, um, spaghetti and like doing laundry or like serving in the soup kitchen, very like low key. And she wasn't like a famous speaker. You know what I mean? We were just living in the ghetto and doing ministry on the streets. But, uh, again, it's, it's sharing life. It's, um, seeing how she respected people and also always brought it back to Christ in every moment she could. And she, um, they started to like share ministry, you know, like they, even as a young adult, they were like, Olivia, why don't you, you know, 
go for it. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, they were hugely impactful. That's beautiful because I think too, what you just said, it was over spaghetti and doing laundry. Like these are the things that you just think like, oh, these are like the dead spaces of our lives. We think like, oh, this is going to be these huge like spiritual moments. And it's it's really in the quiet places. I can't wait to get to heaven and just like ask Jesus a bunch of questions because there were these times that I'm sure he he was with the disciples or he was with his group of people he was traveling with. And it was in those places. That's how he was intentional in speaking into their lives that we didn't get to see. And and not everybody gets to see those spaghetti dinners, you know? (laughs) So yeah, I don't, I didn't know that they were like mentoring me. I was just like, can I use your laundry machines? And then uh, now I look back and I'm like, oh, they spent hours just letting me talk with them. That's so good. I love that kind of stuff. That's amazing. Well, you said you work together in a team at your church. If we could just speak for a couple minutes for anyone who is in church ministry, surfing or volunteering, why is it important to work together as a team in ministry? Man, this is the issue that's really close to my heart. I really believe it is reflective of the Trinity, first of all. I mean, I know that's like as meta as it gets, but I think that (laughs) that's where it comes from is like God is not lonely, isolated, but even that God is community and is um, three in one, all powerful and all able to submit to one another and honor the other. I think that's like our model for marriage and for ministry. And um, so that's like the big reason why. And then really practically, I think it protects people from like a dangerous hierarchy. Uh, we're better together. But if there's like enough people who are feeling, who are empowered and who are welcome to speak, who feel like, hey, maybe that decision we need to think about a little bit longer. Maybe you're not seeing all the sides of it, especially different voices. Usually in the end, it's a sweeter result. And it, it slows us down, but I think it actually, it just protects us from just going with one person's idea. It's true. And I think also it's a good example for for the church itself to see that there isn't one person who is the end all be all, because I don't know if you have Jesus running your church. I mean, he's not with us. So like we have these people that are just being prayerful and just setting an example. So Olivia, if people wanted to get connected with you, how could they do that? Do you have Instagram website? My Yeah, I have a website, which is my name, oliviamunchiosep.com. It's a hard name, but and um, my Instagram is the same. Just my name. No dots, no dashes. Great. Well, we will put everything in the show notes. Uh, Olivia, I just appreciated our time together today. Thank you so much for talking about the church, talking about women in leadership and in working within the church and, and just your heart and your passion and kind of teaching us to like really be aware of calling and, and what that looks like and also, you know, wrapping that up in holiness. So I appreciate you. Thank you. If I'm ever in New York, I am coming to your church. So please do. It'd be so fun. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you, Danielle. What a great conversation with Olivia. I love the moment of her realization, kind of just like shaking and falling off her chair when she just recognized that life matters. God is going to use everything in her life. And he needed that moment with her and that God uses any time in our life so that he can grab hold of our hearts and draw us back to him. Some of the takeaway questions to think or journal about this week, if you want to be able to reflect more about what we discussed today with Olivia is this. Number one, what I liked when Olivia said that she had gone to that church service in her early 20s and somebody told her, Olivia, you need to stop talking and start listening. And I think that's 
so true for each one of us. Are we in a season of our life that maybe we need to stop talking and start listening to what God has in store for us? Number two, I loved her quote that she used from her book when she was 18. I think it's it's just so perfect for what we are uh, needing in our hearts and as a society. Holiness is the solution to every problem. And yeah, that is a big concept, but it's again that drawing near to God, understanding him better so that we are holy because of him. So can you look at this sentence this week. Holiness is the solution to every problem. Think about whatever you're going through right now. Is holiness the solution? Think about how that can be applicable to your life this week. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Olivia. If you could subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, whether on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever, and leave a rating or review that really helps people find out about the Parable Podcast. And I'd love to connect with you more. You can always message me or find me hanging out on Instagram or Facebook at Danielle Zapchank. That's Z-A-P-C-H-E-N-K. If you have any questions, you want more information about Olivia, everything is in the show notes at DanielleZapchank.com. That is going to do it for today. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Remember, your parable, it showcases that you are always called by God. See you back again next week on the Parable Podcast.